All right. So I, I think you probably heard our episode um, on episode three and how mm-hmm. long it was because of all the detailed notes that I had to write out to make sure yeah. that I wouldn't get chewed out <laughs> for missing <laughs> stuff. So now I, I have to make sure it takes me forever to look, watch an episode now because I keep stopping to write down mm-hmm. notes. Yes. And it doubles the time, but I'm good now. I think we're good. <laughs> You're getting really nerdy with it and I live. It's great. <laughs> I'm here with I'm here. I'm here for all of it. It's so great. with that said, do you want to lead the recap or do you want me or what? Um, I'll lead the recap. Okay. And then you can um, fill in where I may have some blanks because obviously you've, you've done more detailed notes. I'm, I'm the cliff note girl on this. I want to be the cliff note girl because it's exhausting. <laughs> I, I know it is. I know. <laughs> I know it is. But, but um, the show's uh, worth okay. it. It is. Uh, let's, let's get into it. What's, what's this episode four? Yes. Episode four, A History of Violence. Okay. Hi, everybody. It's Kalina Michelle. I'm also here with Cicely Joy, and we are the real snobs. Hey, guys. (laughs) That seemed kind of like, hello. You (laughs) You better listen Um, to us. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for um, listening to um, the next episode of Real Snobs. We are here together and excited to discuss the amazing series on HBO Max called Lovecraft Country. And, um, Cicely has taken extensive notes. <laughs> I have watched the episode about three times. Oh, we're and, good then. Yeah, so we're, we're, we should be okay. Hopefully we don't miss anything. And of course, if we do, please leave us comments. Um, you know, we'll accept your hate posts, but not too hateful, please. Okay. We, we accept it as love. As right. aggressive love. <laughs> aggressive, That's how I see aggressive it. Love. Um, <laughs> All right, let's get into it. But first, before we get into it, um, let me ask you something, though. Mm -hmm. Are you like me in that, are you getting emotionally drained watching this show? Yes. Yeah, a little bit. I thought it was just me. And it's not necessarily the um, hijinks and adventures they get into. It's kind of the dynamics between them that I'm like... I I'm I feel like I'm right there with them, like I'm part of the team. And there's mm-hmm. so much tension, whether it's sexual tension, whether it's like resentment, whether it's um, something else. There's always yeah. some type of like tension that I, I feel like I want to kind of sit everyone down and have a little therapy session. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm I'm invested in yeah. these people and the the outcome of the show so yeah yeah okay let's start off um wait how did it start oh my god isn't that crazy like my mind draws a crazy blank so as soon as we start with the previous show i noted that how the opening scene like the title scene Mm -hmm. i now am paying attention to it because they're all different and they kind of give you a clue as to um like what to expect with this one and this title scene opened with like a image of a skull and it looked Mm -hmm. like kind of a compass or something. So you kind of already go into it knowing you're going to see some death 
<laughs> death <laughs> and and like a compass meaning like once again another journey. journey yeah yeah and i was just like here we go like i i wanted personally i want these characters to kind of stay put and figure stuff out yes but that just just the nature of the how the show was written they can't stay still they can't stay still none of them can stay still and they're all bothered like you said earlier it's just so much so it opens i believe with um his dad tick's dad Mm -hmm. and he is kind of reliving things from his past going over stuff that happened um maybe before we enter the story of lovecraft country um and with stuff that happened at the uh the manor up in um massachusetts and all that stuff and he looks at a copy of that book yeah that, he's spiraling um, he's yeah he's really spiraling he's bad he's drinking he's spiraling but he's also listening to like this cold war propaganda um that is kind of feeding into i guess his his own thoughts and his own opinions about everything they've experienced and maybe what they have um uh, ahead of them too yeah yeah like you could tell that he is not looking forward to whatever's coming next mm-hmm. and he has taken that book even i don't know how at the time at the beginning we don't know how he's gotten that book but um, oh i um, assume george george gave it to him okay did you see him give him the book because i, I don't remember that but i, I, I know they, they were brought it up talking about it or something or or maybe I'm just referencing something that he says later when they were talking about it. So, yeah. So he decides in his hysteria, hysteria moment to burn this book as if like, no one should ever see this. This is going to be, this is like the thing that I was thinking when he was burning that book was this is nothing but evil and some things some knowledge just should not be known, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I kept thinking. Like, he's trying to get rid of this knowledge of being, you know, someone of bloodline of the original, you know, Adam bloodline. And this is, like, a bad thing. I think um, at the same time, like, while he was listening to that Cold War stuff, because I had to go back and I'm like, this has to be important. Everything's intentional. They right. said um, a line, but they said the only way for us to defeat the Reds is to destroy the stockpile. And that's around the time when he decided to get up and burn the book. So he's almost like it's it's foreshadowing that he's like this exploring further going deeper down this rabbit hole is going to get us killed or hurt so the only way i can stop this is to get rid of this right now meanwhile um letty and tick um letty is visited at her house the house that was crazy haunted and that she rid of all the ghosts um by the the white woman who is the daughter of that leader who was killed and tried to use Tick. Yeah, Christina. Um, Christina. And when she visits the house, she's saying, hey, I need to get in here. I'm looking for a particular artifact that um, the the previous owner of this house left behind. I need it for something. And she's like, bitch, get out of here. Wait, you know, wait, I don't okay. want to see you. So back up a couple things. So um, 
And first, I think your mic may be rubbing up against something. It's, yep, it's me, my bad. Okay. <laughs> so a couple things. Before, before Christina goes there, um, the very last line, and I'm going to come back to this near the end, the very last line on the scene with Montrose when he's burning the book, he says, smells like Tulsa. And that yes. was freaky because one, it didn't actually sound like him. Like his voice sounded weird when he said mm-hmm. that. So, um, and then of course that's re- uh, referencing the Tulsa riots. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, this is important. Let me make a note. Then uh, we get to the scene where Christine is heading toward um, Letty's house, but what they were playing, they were playing Rihanna's bitch better have my money. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I started paying attention to all the music that they were playing throughout and all of them kind of dealt with violence, like, yeah, <laughs> like a history of violence kind of going with this theme. Mm-hmm. I just found that funny. You're right about that. I, I, and I, I'm interested in the music choices that, yeah, um, that Misha is, is making because I'm like, sometimes when you have period pieces, cause this is like 1950s Jim Crow, mm-hmm. um, they tend to stick with the soundtrack of the time, but she tends to be going a little bit everywhere. Yeah, all over this. the place. And Which I'm okay with, actually. <laughs> definitely that song stood out. Yeah, I'm actually okay with it. I'm and, not mad at it. Um, but uh, yes, like you said, when Christina shows up at the house, she clearly has an objective, and she can't cross the threshold because of the witch doctor from the last episode that put blood on the posts of the door mm-hmm. to ward off quote evil spirits so that just right there mm-hmm. the fact that she literally couldn't cross the threshold into letty's door just lets you know like she's up to no good right yeah and so letty goes look bitch get out of here i don't know why you know you gave me that money or whatever but i don't want to see you you've done enough leave me alone so Christina leaves without her um, artifact that she was looking for. But she, next, but she um, actually mentioned the, this is the first time she mentions the Ori, which is something that I pointed out in the last episode was kind of, a, it felt like a hole that they introduced, but they didn't really develop the Ori, that solar system, that model solar system mm-hmm. um, that um, Hippolyta, Yes, found in episode three, and so she she basically told Letty a little bit of you know what she let uh, Tick know about mm-hmm. you know the history and that there's something there, and do, does she even know what um, if the Ori's there? So mm-hmm. here, okay, we're already getting some information. This thing is kind of important, and we yeah. know that Hippolyta has it, right? And she took it out the house, which is interesting to me because Letty didn't seem to know what in the world she was talking about. And if Letty is like the owner of the house, she supposedly had been in every single room. Maybe this particular Ori did not want her to see it, but wanted Hippolyta to see it, which is very interesting. And so the next scene, Hippolyta's in their um, bookstore and travel shop and a customer or someone she knows comes in and asks her what it is and she's like oh yeah they're showing the constellations and the planets and yada yada and it's very interesting and she seems very drawn to it yeah she's um, she's reach searching it and she also knows uh notices kind of the um 
I, I wouldn't say what's wrong with it, but what is mysterious about it, like what what the big mystery outside of what it actually is um, right. about it. Like it's, it needs to be, it, it, she can't figure out how to make it work. <laughs> yeah, like it's supposed to be turned on and she doesn't re- quite know where the key is, but she knows there is a key. Yeah. So that's an interesting, I guess, foreshadowing clue to what's coming. Mm-hmm. And then in the next scene, it is... Um, Letty. Letty coming to Tick, right? In the library? Yeah, because Christina basically told her how Tick pulled a gun on her and tried to shoot her. So Letty Mm -hmm. is now kind of, you know, like irate that... Yeah, like, why are you stirring up for trouble again? Like, Mm -hmm. just chill, relax. I got things handled. Then she realizes that um, Tick is trying to like her figure out what all this fuss is about like what is the deal with this group of people that that you know secret society why they had to go through what they went through all this stuff and she is trying to get him to one stop causing more trouble but also she kind of wants to know what's going on too she doesn't want to be left out because yeah i I feel like uh is he kind of he he keeps having this um i need to protect everyone and kind of keep them you know keep keep them away from the dark type thing and she's like hey mm-hmm. i experienced this with you you know like we're right. all in this together so stop trying to do this alone like don't don't keep me out of the loop right so i think that's where her frustration is mainly coming from and then like, once again they had already had sex in the last episode, but when he found out that she was a virgin, things got a little weird, you know, a little weird with them, <laughs> but you could still see the sexual tension. You could still see they care about each other. And I think he, it, again, like you just said, the machismo thing just starts happening with him. Yeah. He's like, I must protect everybody, including my dad. And no, one he's a soldier, hurt. you know? Yeah. So it's, it just kind of like, it's innate in him. Yeah. Um, so, they end up finding some information and they go to find separately, mind you, they go to find his dad Mm -hmm. and he is in the back of this bar. And when he shows up to the bar, Letty's already there with him trying to get all this information out of him. And so when they both confront him together, he does what we think he was going to do from the first scene. He's like, listen, stop going down this rabbit hole leave Mm -hmm. this shit alone this is dangerous i'm trying to help you but they being young and ambitious and wanting to you know like they're gonna do this they're gonna do it regardless and he's like well if if you're gonna do it then i'm gonna at least try to help you so you're not gonna get yourself killed (laughs) right right so they end up you know deciding we gotta go on this journey again maybe there's um an area that we can find back in um, Boston and find out what in the crap's going on. Yeah, and that, that was kind of strange because he just, um, Montrose just said, hey, well, I, I think I know where to look, Boston. And it was just kind of out of the blue. But I guess it just lets us know because we already got a sense from when Tick was at the library that he kept seeing a lot of the books that he checked out. His father had already checked out. That his father right. was already researching this. So 
you know, his his dad knows a lot, and, and yeah. maybe because he knows a lot, he also knows not to keep looking. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I I I guess that just that random fact that he knew it's from Boston just is supposed to show that you know he's been deep into this already. So right, maybe he's it's like somebody who has been deep into the theory of yeah. it, but not so much the practice. So exactly, he just doesn't want to go into it. Um, Hippolyta now this is for some reason I'm drawing a blank on this how did Hippolyta and, and her daughter end up in this oh, road trip so, um, oh okay. he, he commissioned her because of the car yeah it's, it's basically yeah. it's George's car and he needed right. a car so she's like well if y'all gonna go and part of this is Hippolyta like knowing that there's more to their previous trip than they're telling so this is also her opportunity to not be left out but she has her own little mission and yeah and wants to kind of explore um this orrery more or it seems like it ignited this curiosity in her yeah but, and on top of that she wants to know what exactly happened to her husband because exactly. they had been lying to her about the whole thing and she knows it she just doesn't know any of the details so but before also, that yeah. scene we see um christina or christine i may be saying it wrong Let's call, we're going to call it Christina. Christina um, is playing with some neighborhood kids and some cops show up and uh, take her. Like, it looks like at first she's being arrested, but we know she's not really being arrested because she didn't do anything. Right. Um, but they, they take her to see the captain and this Captain Lancaster, who was the captain from the previous episode that had Letty in the paddy wagon. Mm-hmm. Um, and they know of each other and captain the captains um they discuss the house and he implies that the house is his lodge's um rightful property mm. and even though she's like well i don't remember you being initiated so there is you know there's a little bit of tension and battle between them because they both kind of want i we don't know exactly what the captain wants if he knows about the pages and stuff but he does not want Christina to be there because one, she's a woman and Mm -hmm. he feels like he outranks her, even though she is of blood from, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, some of the founders of the whole order, but there's Mm -hmm. this tension there and it's kind of, um, they're kind of threatening each other a little bit. Right. And that is also very interesting because in that scene, his, his, his office does not look like a regular office. No. And when she's when she's in there, she goes over to the side and you see her like lifting the shutters of either, I don't know if it's a cage or something, but clearly there's somebody in distress. Yeah, yeah. Behind the yeah. scenes. And you can hear them panting and breathing hard and like, you know, like, oh my God, like like a panic in their voice. And yeah. but clearly they're there under some nefarious circumstance and i said well what's that all about like what what is going on with you know the the captain in this thing you know and i didn't realize it until then it makes sense that he is part of the order yeah uh, in some way or one of the chapters of the order and i wonder um, if it's just i I don't know if they're going to revisit that or if that was just to imply that again outside of him being part of the order that he is um, he has his own agenda and, you know, is doing things under the radar. But we already knew that. 
<laughs> but I also think that it shows, it also goes to shows too, because one of the things about that particular order is how women literally messed everything up for men and yeah. how they try to keep women in a particular place. And the fact that she keeps trying to unearth things and do things outside the norm for her sex, I guess. Yeah. Especially with her being so close to the order, literally by bloodline. Um, it makes it makes for it makes him to be like really 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 just like I'm so angry with her and I don't want her anywhere near any of this and blah 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 and it's it's more obstacles for her in a lot of ways yeah um but clearly he doesn't have the magic that she does at least she we're not showing it yet that this captain may have magic like she does but um very interesting um and then they end up following her like he has two people tailing her to this house that she's staying in and her butler guy, the handsome butler guy again, (laughs) uh, ends up um, beating those guys up and he says, all right, well now I'm done with that. And now I have a date. Yeah. Basically he just, he tells the, he threatens the um, cops that are, um, um, staking out and watching her just to send that message back to the captain like right. to leave her alone right and so but before all that our our crew yeah oh, they're all yeah. there's a couple of different things so you already mentioned about the crew they're getting uh, ready to go in the car up. yeah mm-hmm. they're packing up and then they're uh the other dude tree um who was from the bar and also the one that was talking to tick about um, hooking up with Letty in high school and all yeah. that. Um, he decides to join because he's catching a ride to Philly. So, you know, that's just a random um, addition. It was. It seemed <laughs> random at first. I was like, okay. Yeah. But he's now in the car and, and Hippolyte is like, sure, why not? The more the merrier kind of thing. But so there's so all... much tension going on, especially like between yeah. Tick and Letty. And there's just like, oh, this is such uncomfortable because now they also have to kind of uh, pretend that they're, you know, they're they have mm-hmm. to act like they're not doing what they're actually going out there to do. And... Right. Yeah. yeah. And so they get to Boston. They decide to stop in this museum. Mm-hmm. And th- th- it seems like they decide to stop in the museum for a few hours. But um, Tick and, and his two, crew, two people, Letty and his dad, they're like, okay, listen. We know that somewhere in here is at least information on how to get... Um, to find where the original founder of the order left his pages. We can Mm -hmm. find that. We know there's something here from the research we've done. We just got to look for it. So they're looking around, looking around. Letty's looking over here. The dad's over here. And then the dad says, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I know the security guard. I know the security guard. Right. Um, So I'm going to go talk to him and see if he can help us out. Get in later after closing. Yeah. And the interesting thing here, and I'm going to, I'm going to post an interesting theory to you. Okay. So Tick is with Tree and Tick is looking around. Tree is just instigating, talking shit, like about Letty and all this stuff. But then he also mentions kind of like how his dad had gotten real close with the bar manager. Yeah. Who is clearly a homosexual. And so he's kind of alluding to the fact that his dad might be gay. Yeah. And so Tick is like, dude. Now like, what looking are you at his saying? dad a little yeah. sideways. 
looking his dad kind of sideways and he's like well why do you think your dad knows all these dudes in different places and all this stuff or whatever yeah or like why why do you think um he said um well at first it was he he made a comment and it seemed it was very petty it was just like well you know if i letty he said something to letty and letty Mm -hmm. said well uh wouldn't you know like i think he's um talking about her body or something she said wouldn't you know apparently like we fucked in high school right and um and so tree um confronts tick about saying man if i knew you know i didn't know you're gonna say anything to her blah 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 Mm -hmm. and he said i didn't think you would you know really mind uh that's why i sent you to the back to meet that bartender I, he implying he said mm-hmm. something to imply that at first that maybe tick was gay and then right. when tick called him out on it he was like no i'm talking about like um i just thought you may be curious as to why your father is so close to him right and yeah so it's just like again he could just be being petty we don't know but right but i feel like he was mentioning that for a reason and i have a feeling like his dad might have you know, I don't know if he's all the way gay or not, but I know that his dad seems to be really um, connected in that bar for a particular reason. And my theory is down the line, we're going to see that his dad is probably um, homosexual in some way, uh, but he's used his almost like a network of men. You know what I mean? that have he maybe befriended because they were kind of connected some way to the order or whatever do you know what i mean but you that, know that what? might be and they, they have laid out an, enough groundwork for it because you have okay take the psychology of that time and stuff if he is a mm-hmm. black gay man during that time and and you know that may account for the drinking him mm-hmm. trying to kind of deal with it also we know that there is something that went down with his wife and George, and there mm-hmm. may have been issues with their marriage because mm-hmm. of that. And maybe, you know, she saw maybe out that's why comfort yeah. <laughs> elsewhere, who knows, but it, mm-hmm. you know, it would make sense if it does come out. Like they, like I said, they laid the groundwork for it to be like a legit and not so random. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, they come back at night. Mm-hmm. They find a map that, we find out that the original that uh, Christina's father was a big explorer of all these different kinds of lands and um, he collected all these artifacts and things mm-hmm. and there's a big statue of him um, in the middle of this particular exhibit and they figure out that moonlight coming in from the ceiling hits things a certain way across the hall and it shines a light on a button that opens some kind of cavern beneath the statue Mm -hmm. and they take the map out of the exhibit um, because the map is not to any particular place but it looks like um, paths and tunnels and stuff so they just take it and they all go down into the caverns there's three tunnels and based on some of the clues that they picked up in their research and I believe it was his either his dad or Letty, I can't remember right now. Letty, but Letty, figured, Letty out. figured it out. Yeah, okay. because of like where his last destination was, and um, that he discovered the order like maybe three years after that destination. And so, based off of the tunnels, like 
going south, northwest or something like that, mm-hmm. then that is the most likely one. But um, there was also something else about all of that. Oh, da, 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 da. oh like uh, immediately, like when after, you know, the museum closed and, and the moonlight struck and kind of led to these clues, immediately I started feeling like Indiana Jones. Yes, okay. <laughs> I was loving this I feeling. was saying, I said literally out loud, what kind of national treasure yes. mess is this? <laughs> I said, what did we just start doing in this show? Now they have to go digging in tunnels for buried treasure? Yes, I love like, it. It's a, if it's not enough that these Black people are going through, now they gotta go to these subterranean death traps? I was like, this is too much. But it's like it's every episode was a whole different theme. Like the last one was like American Horror Story and now it's this and and I'm like, yes, I'm all for it because with with all these like Indiana Jones National Treasure and all all these other type of adventures, like he even references, it feels like Journey of the Center of the Earth. Mm-hmm. You don't see black characters. You don't see a black version of that other than maybe like Jumanji, which is not black, but, mm-hmm. you know, a more comedic version. But yeah, it's kind of like that's those are like adventures that I loved as a kid, and now seeing like th- this crew going mm-hmm. through them and like and and doing it because you know when you're watching it when you're little and you're kind of thinking of what you would do if you're in those situations. Now right. you can kind of get a glimpse of what you probably would do. <laughs> I mean, so. I felt so. Uh nervous for them the whole yes. time more oh, so yes. than in, in like if any other characters were doing this i'd be like oh it's a movie but because it's black people going through these movie type <laughs> experiences it, it hits different for me this whole series has hit different for me because mm-hmm. like like i said earlier emotionally i'm starting to get drained because i'm like yes it is cool to see them doing these cool adventurous things but it's also I don't want them to get hurt. Like, of you course, know, you're like, invested in them. I'm like, stop. Like, don't go down that, you know, that weird tunnel. Don't don't walk on that beam that started <laughs> disappearing under you with a swinging axe or whatever. Like, it literally yeah. became Indiana Jones. And it was a lot. <laughs> but to to kind of break away because there are different there are some other things going on with some of the cast members so as they start and explore these tunnels um a scene uh, a couple scenes before uh we see letty's sister ruby mm-hmm. um and she you know she's been talking about applying for this marshall fields department store job like how she has to get everything ready her resume mm-hmm. like she is on it and so mm-hmm. she walks up in there she's ready to present herself and and fight the fight and as Mm -hmm. she walks and of course she's kind of getting looks from some of the white patrons and all um Mm -hmm. she sees a a black um a sales girl and you know she kind of goes around her and starts pretending like she's just shopping but Mm -hmm. um uh, the sales girl comes up to her and you know asks, can she help her and she starts asking her well you know um, when did you start working here? And that um, the sales girl just got hired and how she didn't believe she would be hired and all. And immediately you start sensing this jealousy because yeah. this is what she wants. And now she feels like there's no way that they're going to hire two black right. <laughs> sales right. girls. So like, basically, you stole my job yeah. <laughs> type thing. Um, 
and so that's a little earlier. And then in a, a, a next scene with Ruby, we see her singing in the bar. She's a little bitter, kind of singing this blues songs, not really getting the reception that she probably deserves yeah. from the audience. And so she goes to the bar and the bartender is pouring her a drink. And she's like, I can't, you know, I can't afford another one. And he's like, no, the gentleman at the end of the bar got you. Who do we see? It's but the, the handsome butler. butler. <laughs> the butler. I, I think his name is Will or something. Okay. I like William, calling him maybe. handsome butler. Yeah, I, I call him Eric Northman because he just looks like him to me. Yeah. But um, so he, he comes to her and he wants to buy her a drink and he starts kind of schmoozing her. And she's just thinking it's just a white boy coming on to her. Right. But uh, they, they banter back and forth and he implies that he has something he wants to offer. Um, yeah. And we don't know yet what this yeah, he is. Yeah, he said, I, what if I tell you I can change your life? And I'm like, immediately I'm thinking like mm-hmm. sugar daddy situation. Because mm-hmm. a lot of white men still to this day, they fetish shot. If they fetishize us in a lot of ways. And I didn't, I didn't really think that of him because I, I just maybe knowing the order, I just assumed that he was there and he's finding like a new angle into getting into this house. For Maybe. Christina, because that's that's his her 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 boy, her errand boy, yeah, her, her lover, her whatever. So I just figured this is all like a scam, yeah. You know? And that's another thing too. Like, it's it is so unfortunate because she was in a very vulnerable place. Yes, and I just know that that's not going to end well at all. And you know that whole thing. Oh, I just want to feel something. And of course she goes with him to wherever he's staying and they like fuck on the stairs or whatever. And I'm yeah. just like, oh my God, girl, no. <laughs> you know, the whole yes. time, like, don't do it. Something's wrong. And it's white people <laughs> this is, yeah, in the this 1950s. Is not end well. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? And so, so, yeah, it was just a lot. So we go back to our crew. As yeah. you said, they, they, as they're going through these tunnels, they, uh, they come to this big cavern that has completely, a plank yeah yeah it's and it's such a skinny plank that goes it just extends out they can't even see how far it goes and by physics i'm like no nah, no nah, that's not gonna work that's right too, hello too thin like if you get to the middle it's gonna be a weak point and y'all gonna break it and fall through that's it's just right. it's clear it's like no don't do it but they don't really have a choice <laughs> yeah because they've been like walking for 20 minutes so for them i think you know they are limited on time so they can't really backtrack and go back to another tunnel mm-hmm. so at this point they have to move forward right um because letty of course she's the lightest or whatever mm-hmm. they tie a rope to her and she starts walking um the plank and all of a sudden something kind of comes at her from the dark at first you think it's something that's flying like a big bat right. or something or creature but now we know it's actually this big axe that is, yeah. is swinging back and forth like a booby trap straight booby traps yeah and i was just like oh god so then so they all end up yeah this a series of things happen tick comes after her then he unties her but then he's got to go back for his dad and when he goes back for his dad the plank starts to dissolve under their feet. Yeah, and so now it's spelled. His dad, it's a, it, the whole thing is spelled. So then the dad has to jump on the plank. Then they gotta run. 
but then they have to dodge the swinging axe and it's just it's so and then, much then they, they run to the end and it's another door but the plank is like d- dissolving or disintegrating and they're running out of time and they have to figure out this puzzle and right. Montrose um is very quick to think about this but it's the first few lines from the bylaws of the order of dawn where mm-hmm. like uh, the order of ha- the things that happen like adam did this and eve did that and blah 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 so right. they figure out the puzzle get through the door the the nick of time yeah <laughs> and then they are in a i think a cavern that has some water that is rising mm-hmm. from a tide yeah, and they only have maybe about an hour to get through this before the water is too high for yeah. them to actually traverse. Yep, and this water is clearly cold because they start shivering and stuff. And yeah, they're, while they're trying <laughs> to go through this, and they're fighting, starting to fight with each other. Tick is fighting with Letty, and Tick is also, you know, upset with his dad. And his dad's like, "Look, I'm trying to impart wisdom to you about mm-hmm. relationships and trying to give him some advice on how to." you know, make sure that he and Letty stay cool together or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, then they and end up in... That's also where mm-hmm. Tick confronts his dad about his knowledge, all this knowledge of the Order of Dawn, because at this point, we're just wondering, like, oh, how this is convenient that you just know all this. Right. And that's when he actually admits that George gave him the bylaws. Right. Yes. And yeah. then they end up in a portion of the cavern where all these bodies were. And at the end of the last episode, it was the same bodies that were in this yeah, pit. Her Letty's neighbors. Yeah, Letty's neighbors that were at the bottom of the pit under her house that the elevator shaft went to. And then you realize, hold on, that is Letty's elevator shaft. What's going yes. on? But then yes. they're like, This we can't go up yet. There's gotta be if if this house is important in that way, then the papers have to be nearby. There must be another area. And so that's why I was waiting because I was like, do they know that that's Letty's elevator? Because I I was waiting for this shock or this aha, like, wait, this is the house? No, I don't think they knew by the bodies. I think they knew by the elevator shaft. Yeah. And they were like something. They're like, wait, so the house is connected to this and all that. So now they're figuring out that the house is connected to the order in some way. Um, But they know that the papers aren't at the house. So they're like, okay, there's this other area of the tunnel maybe we should go this way and see what's up right yeah like we've come this far like let's keep going yep so of course the water is still rising 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 and it's a door that requires um somebody to put their arm in there is an arm that's already like severed off that's stuck in the door and so you know you know about that arm that i whose arm is it so in the last episode, when they were um, doing the uh, trying to exercise Hiram um, out of the house, and mm-hmm. that was the the previous owner that tortured all the people and stuff, when he his spirit was released from Tick, he was missing an arm. Oh. He was like holding onto a snub. He was missing an arm, and so when they when they pulled this arm from the door, the first thing I noticed was like the arm wasn't like a skeleton. It right. was like, you know, so thinking and it had like a shirt, a pinstripe shirt and uh-huh. a white and it looked like a white jacket. So I think that was Hiram's arm. And we know that he was there and he was trying to find the papers for himself. Right. You know? Right. So, yeah, I think that was his arm. And so it's it's almost as if this happened a little bit recently. 
then either that or that was they were able to preserve it very well uh, you know yeah, the maybe. state of having that arm stuck in this door which you know it's a it's a spelled door so yeah who knows and so then that is finished i didn't even catch that that's great so they remove the arm and tick realizes oh, wait i'm the one with the bloodline so i'm gonna have to put my arm in it right so he puts his arm in I guess it pricks him and hit the blood from his arm releases the charm on the door and another mm-hmm. uh, uh like a like a rope At least or something. Yeah, the oh, vault yeah. opens the, from like up top ladder. somewhere. And so they climb up the rope ladder and they're in this cavern. Now I need you to explain this to me with your notes okay. because <laughs> they get yes, crazy craziness. They get um, into this cavern and clearly this is like the founder's vault of some sort. But yeah. there are, there is a table and there are skeletons around this table as if there were people there that died suddenly. Yes. And so I basically, don't understand it. It's, so it, it is a vault that they've been looking for, but it's also a replica of like his boat, his sailboat. And we know from the story that we find out soon that he, he, um, the people that are in the room are the skeletons. They're kind of like semi-preserved skeletons. Like they're not yeah. fully like skeletons, but you can kind of see it did look like they died suddenly um, yeah. by something unnatural that these are um, like Arawak Indians, um, Caribbean uh, Arawak tribe. Hmm. So uh, they, they're wandering about cause it looks like there, there was a feast or something and they just all died there and they see a desk and a scroll and i think it's um i can't uh, remember if it was montrose or uh tick that reaches for the scroll and all of a sudden um the there's a skeleton holding the scroll Mm -hmm. and that skeleton like um basically reanimates yeah and and becomes um a actual body again and the first thing i was like uh something's wrong with this body this is that mummy stuff a, that i'm talking about it's yeah a, so this is brandon frazier yeah like i said this is they're really getting into this the, all the fantasy but um, i loved it i was just yeah. like uh, once again like really <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know the mummy yeah so the, mummy. the body is the body of a woman but clearly it has genitals of a man yeah and so i'm like that has to be intentional that can't just be random i am i seeing something wrong right and it's um and there are all sorts of symbols on uh, this woman Mm -hmm. and i think uh she begins to speak in her native tongue but tick can actually understand her no one else can understand her but tick can understand Mm her and i um she she says who she is he asks who she is and she's Mm -hmm. like i'm a i'm a spirit i i'm a body of two spirits basically a man and a woman which is hermaphrodite right so um and she says her name is yahima maricote which i had to look that up because i was like that name is Again, really I'm wondering specific. if this is if this is based off of like some actual historical figure. I don't know. I couldn't find it. Right. But she told the story of how Titus um, found this uh, found them in the cave of. Uh, I wrote the word down. It's not important, but <laughs> uh, basically that he he found these pages, but he didn't know how to decipher. And I guess um, they were in a language that he felt like she knew how to. So mm-hmm. she. Um, he asked her to help, but uh, uh, when she realized what 
it was and she refused he threatened her and imprisoned her there and mm-hmm. killed her people so i think he probably brought on some of her people on the ship mm-hmm. and killed and you know basically used that to threaten her to help right um and, and then um and once he once she did teach him the language then he entombed her there too yes and yeah. um so tick you know explain that you know that's that's not us i understand your pain i'm sorry this happened to you we need to we need help um deciphering the pages so we can stop more people like that and Mm -hmm. even though she's like i know you're not you're um you're not responsible for your ancestors and blah 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 i cannot i can't help you right um and so she was going to refuse but montrose then takes the scroll right and as he does that the ship or the room starts caving in right and so now they have to get out and they're they're the water is very high now so now they have to swim Mm -hmm. and they swim to the elevator shaft but as they're doing that i think um montrose um lets go or loses the scroll and letty goes back for it because she's like huh if we did all this we need to get that scroll right uh, so she nearly drowns trying to get it. And when she gets back to the elevator shaft, you know, all of a sudden, like, ticking her embraces in this passionate kiss. And, like, yeah. all the tension is released because, you know, he almost lost her. Right. Yeah. So while they're in this elevator shaft, um, I think, the, and they are with their, the uh, Yahima is mm-hmm. with them now, still uh, corporeal or still, like, as a body, not mm-hmm. a skeleton or uh, just a ghost right um she opens her mouth and she's shrilling she's shrieking and shrilling it's really weird yeah i was like what the fuck is going on yeah like i was like what now you know and for me i don't know what's gonna happen because of that Mm -hmm. but i feel like when stuff like that happens in movies or tv shows like this Mm -hmm. that's a call out to somebody whether she meant to do it or not because she told them later when they were in the house, because they take the elevator shaft up to her house. Suddenly they're back in Chicago. So this tunnel yeah. went from it's, Boston it's, yeah. all the way back to Chicago. Well, it's spelled because we saw yeah. in the third episode how when the elevator went down, there was like symbols um, when it went down past the basement. So we can assume that that elevator could go anywhere at once. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. So she's they're up in the house and she was like yeah that's another thing he did with me um when i if i was ever removed from that or whatever or if i ever left it or was coerced into something she said like he he turned her into a siren yeah turned me into a siren and for me sirens symbolize warning signals and i don't know if who may have been listening out for that shriek but something's coming I don't know necessarily that 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 may be the case. I think it's the sirens. So sirens are known to, um, um, by mythology, uh, lull people to them Mm -hmm. with a song. But they're actual. But they are actually like monsters, and so like they their actual um, voice or state would be like a shrill for anyone that is not under their spell. So. It could be something like that. I don't know. But here's, okay, so we're getting to it. So at Mm -hmm. the end of the night, they're all relaxed in the house, and they're like, okay, now that she's here, if we teach her some English, maybe it'll be better for us to be able to help 
decipher these pages now that we've got her yeah she can and, at least write yeah she can write it out <laughs> since she can't something. say anything and this is great because now we're getting closer to the truth and so george is like all right i'm gonna go to bed letty's gonna go to bed we're chilling and montrose is all i'm proud of you tick you know yeah, it's like this He's, is so it's like great the first, it's the first real tender father-son moment we've seen between them finally. yeah which is really interesting and he's feeling better about it montrose is feeling better about it and everybody goes their separate ways. The camera stays on Montrose. Montrose walks into the room where um, yeah, where old was. girl is relaxing, about to go to bed too. And he's all like kind of walking up to her, but then the music changes. I'm like, what is going on? What's about to happen? And he leans in like he's going to give her a kiss or something. And Like he, he was goes, about to whisper something. He yeah, whisper something, something to her. And he says, I'm sorry whips out a knife, slits her throat. Yep. And then it's over. Which to me, I was like, but isn't she dead anyway? But no. I, that's but just my see, thought. Ag- <laughs> but again, sis, I think that she, as a siren, called out to something. And he knew that. And so her being alive and out of that cavern was probably some kind of like signal. And so whatever was coming was probably trying to hone in on her. Wherever Perhaps. she went. Yeah. Because I just she's... thought it was just that he was just trying to get rid of another source of interpreting the pages. Meaning like maybe, if they, maybe that too. If the, because he said, like, if we can teach her English, she can at least write down the what we need to know. Mm-hmm. And that's when he went and decided, okay, I need to get rid of her. Yeah. And he clearly doesn't want his son to know what those pages yeah. say. Because yeah. he tried to burn the book. Yeah, I mean, he burned the book. He was like, clearly, this is not something that needs to be out in the world. Let's just let it die. But yeah. George is not letting it die, and so maybe he's pretending to go along with it to just make so, sure that George doesn't fuck stuff up. Here's my theory, and I wrote this down okay. because remember I said at the very beginning how when uh, Montrose burned that book and he said it smells like Tulsa, and mm-hmm. that didn't sound like it was his voice. Mm-hmm. Between that and him kind of discouraging them from everything and of course you could say that he's discouraging them because he's trying to protect them Mm -hmm. but is he is he possibly discouraging them in a way yet also leading them because he may be possessed by titus and maybe that's why he slit her throat i don't know it's (gasps) like there's certain actions that i was picking up on that i was like i I don't think I think something happened to him because we don't know all what happened to him when he was taken. Right. You're right. You're right. We know he was in prison. And I feel like and they said he was just there to lure George. Yeah. And I feel like there's something more to it. Like he is the bait and or or he was the bait to lure him. But he left there with something Hmm. because that that smells like Tulsa. Mm -hmm. Like that was so weird and random that I'm like nah mm -mm, there's something not right beyond him just being drunk so that's my theory that he may be possessed oh my god and one last thing I want to mention because we we did kind of skip over this um if you're wondering whatever happened to Hippolyta Hippolyta Mm -hmm. I can never say her name right is it Hippolyta it's Hippolyta Hippolyta Mm -hmm. and D um while they were in Boston so when they were at the museum they actually went to like a planetarium room and were laying down, looking at the constellations and the stars and talking about it. Mm-hmm. And Hippolyta mentioned a comet. Um, and she pointed out a comet and she said, you know, this is that name. She's like, how do you know? She's like, because it, 
I named it. Yeah. She's like, you named the comment? She's like, well, yeah, but basically she didn't get credit for it because back in the day, like, they wouldn't give credit to a little black girl for it. There was some other woman, a a girl, of a scientist that took credit for it. Right. And so Dee started, you know, yelling, like, to everyone that was there, like, my mama did this. Yeah, that was cute. She's proud. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's kind of painting this picture of not only, um, uh, like, her her background and maybe also adding to this curiosity behind this model, the solar system model, like that yeah. there's a lot more to Hippolyta than we know about. Yeah. And as they, um, there's another scene, um, where they're leaving, they're driving back to Chicago cause they're, they're just driving alone. We assume that they dropped off tree wherever he needed to be, but see, um, they're driving back. And D says, it was funny. Cause D says, how did they get back to Chicago so fast? Yeah. And then she also, she's looking at a map mm-hmm. and is the map that she gave George or it was George's map that she kind of drew on. Yeah. And Hippolyta uh, asked her about the map and she sees, you know, these, these drawings of these figures and one um, uh, town that was circled where they did go to Devon County. Mm-hmm. And so she decided, okay, now uh, we're going to get some answers. So she turns the car around and is heading, as we assume, to Devon County to try to get some answers as to what happened to George. Right. So now George, Tick, and um, not George, but um, Tick, his dad, and Letty are back in Chicago at the house. Uh, Hippolyta and Dee are on their way to this uh, county, particular county up in near Boston somewhere. Mm-hmm. where um, they went in the first episode. And then um, uh, her sister, Letty's sister, is now mm-hmm. deep in an affair with handsome butler guy. And mm-hmm. Christina is up to something and she wants this object that Hippolyta took from the house mm-hmm. and is currently holding in her shop. So it's it's a lot. They're setting up an awful lot. And yeah, they are. This next episode, I saw, looking at the preview of the next episode, I honestly don't know why Letty's sister is now dressed as a maid. I don't know why um, George seems to be even more obsessed with learning this language. It's just a lot that is about to happen. So I think uh, they're setting this up nice. Like we already, we kind of have our theories about Ruby and I, I really think she is, she's just a pawn. Mm-hmm. And for them to, like, if we get her on our side, we can get information. We can, you know, like, mm-hmm. a, a way to connect to to Letty in the house so they can have access to whatever they know. Also, probably putting her against her sister, it seems like she may, they may be trying to do. But there are some, some things to come that I'm excited about. Like, this show Me still- too. It's really drawing you in. And I'm so happy that there is a fantasy series Yes, that we as Black people can relate to a bit more. You know? Yes, and <laughs> yeah, and instead because of course the us, joke is always like you wouldn't see Black people doing that because we stay our butt at home. Like, we don't get involved in that stuff. And now all. we're literally seeing <laughs> Black people doing that. Like, they're but they here. make it relevant. Like, there's yeah. reasons why because not only we're not talking about just the birthright and stuff. Like, no, y'all, y'all brought it to our front door. Right. And, and 
no, we can't ignore it because this is our lives. So yeah. And yeah. once again, it's about survival. It's always about survival with us in this country. And but it's giving me what I need. It's giving me my fantasy. It's giving me my nerd out stuff. It's giving me my, you know, suspense. Your romance. My romance. Even the um, music sounded like Indiana Jones type of like, you know, oh my God, I just loved it. I said Nicolas Cage is about to pop out of somewhere. Oh my God, please no. <laughs> please no, keep him, keep him away. <laughs> I was ready for him. I said, where he at? He's down here um, in the cavern somewhere. All right. <laughs> But no, I'm I'm happy for it. It's given the dweebs everything. It's given the blurds everything. And I'm I'm here for this series. I'm so happy that whoever decided to greenlight this, JJ Abrams yeah. and Jordan Peele and them, thank you, thank you, thank you. Because this is what one of the things that we as um TV viewers have needed. I wanna know great. and if and if we have any listeners out there that would like to chime in on this because you know we we are talking about this and it's very heavily um uh, uh racially themed and uh, obviously the black audience we're buzzing about this and stuff, but I wanna know what maybe our white white counterparts think because I'm not really hearing <laughs> a lot of buzz on it either and it's not I'm not sure if I'm just not looking for it mm-hmm. or if it's just something like you know it hasn't really picked up on that demographic much or mm-hmm. what but I'm I'm curious as to other thoughts and and not necessarily you know movie critics or show critics or you know of that media but just the average viewer what they think right um I think what, even as painful as a lot of this um historic um accurate historically accurate stuff is mm-hmm. it's for me it's almost like a it's a weird sigh of relief because finally our story is relevant to american history and yeah. it is relevant when it comes to fiction yeah you yeah. know we're not just you know the filler character that ends up dying quickly in a horror we're not just um you know, somebody for comedy yeah. relief. Yeah, the sassy we're, blah blah. Yeah, we're blah, not just the sassy girl that always. It's it's it. This is a an intelligent show. Yeah, and, and I'm it's hoping it really what I need. I'm hoping it it's opening a lot of people's eyes, similar to how Watchmen did for a lot of people that didn't know about the Tulsa riot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the riots there and 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 the Black Wall Street. I'm I'm hoping. I'm hoping I'm hoping <laughs> that, you know, even though this is uh, this is set in a fictional world, the, the fictional world is is still relevant to actual events and and um, the lives that people lived that, you know, was kind of opening their their minds to history that is not always going to be told in the schools. Mm-hmm. So I'm really excited about it. I'm yeah. so excited about it. I can't wait till Sunday. But then uh, let me let me go to something else I've been um hearing about and or watching. Okay. So do 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 <laughs> Yeah, nothing. I just gotta do my little inter- interlude break. <laughs> Well, um, let's see. <laughs> oh my God, really? <laughs> well, well, um, I actually have been watching a show 
um, that was on FX called uh, Snowfall. Oh, yes. Yeah, we were talking briefly about that. Okay. Snowfall has its faults, but (laughs) where it excels, it really excels. And namely where it excels is following the character story of a young man in 19 early 1980s into 90s LA named Franklin. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a college dropout who clearly is intelligent, but you know, he's in the hood. And so he has an uncle that sells some weed and he ends up selling weed for his uncle. But because he's so business savvy, he rises in the ranks with his uncle really quickly. And somehow the world of cocaine falls into Franklin's lap. Mm -hmm. And so he ends up dealing with, you know, these big time players and distributors. He ends up going through different things and he quickly amasses a drug empire. And Mm -hmm. through his character, you see how the crack epidemic started in LA and then spread across the country in a big way. So it has some historical, um, um, accuracies in it, but it's told through these fictional characters. Okay. Um, two other ki- the two other storylines that are happening at the same time as Franklin is the CIA agent who actually brings a huge shipment of cocaine into the LA area because the CIA is trying to fund a war in Nicaragua that ends up not going well, but because of that, um, drugs ended up being infiltrated into the black community in a big way. Um, Then there's also the beginnings of the Cali cartel in another Uh, Mm storyline. And it's very interesting, but Franklin and his, and his story and all the people in his storyline, they stand out the most in this entire series. In fact, when you see a lot of the cover art for snowfall, you see Franklin's face. Um, he is the breakout star that young man is the breakout star and when I found out when I found out that this man is from Great Britain and that his he's got a thick accent (laughs) I was shocked because listening to him talk he he and he embodied you know Compton and all that stuff that kind of LA of that time period Mm -hmm. And, and totally I thought this man was from the States somewhere the way like, Oh, John Singleton found him literally in the streets of LA and said, you need to be acting. No, this is like a seriously like amazing trained actor from great Britain who, I don't know how John Singleton found this man, but I'm so glad he did. And of course, recently we lost John Singleton. Yeah. And so because of that, there, there's some questions about whether there will be a fourth season of snowfall. Um, the the three seasons. I honestly, I'm okay with not having a fourth season. I think it's worth it to watch this show, if only for seeing Franklin's story and how he how he moves and shakes around the crack epidemic and, and what that does to his family and his friends and what that really does to him and you know how is it that somebody with such a bright future can go in this route. Um, you're rooting for him, you're angry at him, you're all over the map, but you're, no matter what, you are there for Franklin. So I give um, Snowflake 
a snowfall. medium pop. What did I say? Snowflake? My bad. Yeah. <laughs> snowfall. A medium <laughs> popcorn with butter. It's okay. good. That's it a pretty good. Um, you may have convinced me to pick it back up because I, I started it and I think I may have seen maybe like two episodes. And this, I am not saying anything bad about it. It just didn't draw me because yeah. it's more the genre that didn't draw me like it just seemed like uh this seems really heavy and i'm not really always into just crime type you know drama type stuff so i get it that was just that was the only reason but it's i i heard a lot about it a lot of buzz about it so of course i wanted to pick it up so okay it's I mean. beautifully shot <laughs> it's it's beautifully casted all the way around and yeah it's it's worth it it's worth it Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, something I've been watching and I mentioned this to you briefly that I, oh my goodness, I may have to do like a whole episode just about it, but um, HBO Max is just winning (laughs) and they they released a new series that I've been waiting for called Raised by Wolves. Okay. And this is by Ridley Scott and some other people that I don't know, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. it, it, it feels like Ridley Scott universe it it falls into kind of that universe the aliens universe but they don't really necessarily tie it to aliens the only tie they have is um uh well let me back up the the premise of the show is that in the far future there's this big war between um uh uh I guess a religious sect like the human population becomes really really religious and it's either you're part of this particular religious sect or you're atheist and so they're Mm. now battling in this war um i guess earth may have been destroyed or maybe not just livable or something and so they um uh the humans create this big arc uh with humans to go and populate this other um, planet Mm. but before they do um the atheists i'm guessing it's the atheists they send um some androids out that can actually get there sooner mm-hmm. um, because um, uh, humans have to stay in stasis and it's going to be a longer trip. But since the androids don't have to be in stasis, they can actually, you know, go without the re- food and water, the resources needed. And they, they arrive at this planet years before the Ark and they have 12 embryos. And so they're, they're responsible for trying to actually create a, a human colony uh, with these in- embryos and the androids actually is like there's a mother and a father and the mm. mother I think she's programmed where she provides the nutrients like these embryos and are kind of in these little incubators and she basically provides the nutrients for them mm-hmm. to um, to be hatched more so than born mm-hmm. and then they raise them mm-hmm. and the the point is that they're they're hoping that by the time the humans get there on the ark they will see that hey um uh, we're able to um, start a human uh, colony that is not uh, part of this religious sect or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's basically something like that. They, okay. they, they're under this kind of time crunch to, and the, the pressure to, to meet this um, directive, but mm-hmm. um, they're finding that, um, that a lot, of, some of the, babies that turned into kids didn't didn't Mm -hmm. survive over the years so 
the dynamic of the show is, you know, is this mother android and this father. And uh, she, they kind of have it as to when they will be functional because eventually they don't have any parts, you know, to exchange and all that or anyone to maintain them. And so eventually they are going to uh, degrade and they're just Mm -hmm. trying to make sure these kids are at a place where they are old enough and can sustain themselves. But Mm -hmm. as in the very first episode, you start seeing the mother uh, start acting kind of erratic or maybe outside of her program. Mm -hmm. And she becomes more like a mama bear or what you may want refer to as a wolf like this Mm -hmm. is her her uh these are her cubs and Mm -hmm. this is my um what do they call it my pack Mm -hmm. and so um i was saying the only connection that i felt like with aliens is that the androids have like white blood you know like Mm -hmm. white liquid um similar to the androids um in the alien series but so far like um some of ridley scott's um last movies like Prometheus I didn't even see the last the reboot or whatever of Aliens um, because Prometheus I was so excited about and that let me down so much so this was very very welcomed and very well done and really unexpected Um, it's it's like full of adventures you don't really know what's going to happen there you're finding out more and more about the history of um, the the people that are coming to the planet, what happened on earth and actually history about these androids. That is really, really interesting. They're not just like just basic androids there to just, you know, raise these Mm -hmm. kids, but there's this mother one. uh, She's a badass, and she can do some like amazing things. And Mm -hmm. how you find out is like, what the hell is this? Mm-hmm. So it's a. It only has three episodes out right now. They premiered uh, releasing three episodes, and I think they're going to be releasing new episodes every Thursday. Okay. So this is one I'm definitely like going to be prioritizing too and tuning in. And mm-hmm. for anyone that's sci-fi geeks, likes kind of the alien universe, but even if you're not into that, but you still just like sci-fi stuff and kind of um, pioneers and adventurers and all that. It kind of feels a little bit like um, Lost in Space mm. in some on some aspects. Uh, the the series, the rebooted series from Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're into that, you will love this. I definitely give it from the three first three episodes I've seen. I give it a large popcorn with light butter because I can feel like there's more that they can go. They can do. <laughs> I'm excited cool. to see where they're going to go. So I'm just going to do light butter right now. Like a spritz of butter. The spritz. Okay. I'm cool. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm going to check it out because I saw that too. And I, I haven't checked it out yet, but I will. I'll look into mm-hmm. it. Um, is there anything that you have seen recently that you, you were like, oh, this is a waste of my time? Oh, probably so. And I'm <laughs> sure I didn't finish it because of that. Um, yeah, let me let me kind of think because I, I can name a bunch of random um, Netflix shows or little series that have come out that, again, um, I may have started and just didn't finish. <laughs> um, off the top of my head, I may have to, oh, I'm just pulling up my Netflix just to help um, reboot my memory. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with one um, okay I <laughs> you're probably going to laugh and be like really um, I recently downloaded the app Quibi 
Ah, so Quibi, for those who don't know about it, it's an app that um, that talks that it gives you content, streaming only content, by only giving you ten to twelve minute episodes for each episode. Mm -hmm. So some of these series that are on here, you know, it's they're just it's like 25 episodes, you know, and it's very interesting, but there was this one series. There's tons of series on here already, and they keep adding new ones, like seemingly every month, Mm -hmm. but there's a series that I tried to start watching. And I just said, why, why would you do this? It's called the Mapleworth murders. And have you heard of this? I I think I heard of it. So it's on Quibi. Yeah, it's on Quibi. Okay. Mapleworth Murders. Um, I'll read it. From the creative minds behind SNL and Late Night with Seth Meyers come the Mapleworth Murders, a hilarious whodunit written by and starring Paula Pell and John Lutz and featuring mm-hmm. a who's who of special guests and victims. It all leads to a bigger question. Why the hell are there so many murderers in this town? Um, I get it. I get that it's supposed to be funny. I just was like, this is giving me... Um, B-list characters from SNL vibes. <laughs> Does that make sense? Like mm-hmm. the people that <clears throat> the people that are starring in the series, you've seen them, but they were literally like like cameos in like Thirty Rock or um, you know people that you would almost forget unless you look at them and say, "Oh, wasn't that guy?" in that thing that I saw one time and you kind of get over it in five minutes. And it's interesting though, because these episodes are literally 10 minutes long and they're (laughs) supposed to capture your attention right away. But this one just gave me all kinds of confusion. I watched three episodes and trying to give it a a try and I just couldn't keep up with it. (laughs) Uh, And that's sad because clearly they, they put in, effort into the show I I don't think it needed the effort though I don't think it's okay. going to get another yeah, it's season not, it's not worth it no it's not worth it and that's hard to really but Quibi um, I do like Quibi I'll be doing a snobby short on that but okay. I I did not like this particular show okay so I did figure out something and it's not it's a show that I actually like I, I, the ones that I could say that I didn't like I, didn't, I don't feel like they're really worth talking about because I, I probably didn't finish them but one I do want to mention um, that I, I picked up on it started last year on AMC I want to say and it's Nosferatu, which mm-hmm. is like Nosferatu okay. but it's N-O-S the number four A and number two Mm-hmm. And this uh, this show was a sleeper. I heard about it recently saying someone uh, was telling me that uh, to check it out. That it was really, really good. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, OK, I kind of remember. So it stars Zachary, Zachary Quinto from Heroes and all mm-hmm. that. And he's play he plays this character called Charlie Minks, who is kind of like this immortal um, he, he comes off as like a mortal Santa Claus type character that it's, it's a different way of telling like a vampire story. So there, in a, I will say he's like a vampire, but not in the traditional sense. Like I'm going to, uh, uh, feed your, you know, off your blood and all this stuff. It's more that like he feeds off the souls of young children, mm. but not 
literally like he doesn't feed feed off of them but what he does is he he finds kids that are in a home or in a family that he feels does not really deserve them like mm-hmm. they're, maybe their their mother is a drunk their father is away like that they, they're not being taken care of in the manner that children should be mm-hmm. and so he he has this mission that he wants to quote unquote rescue them from there. And also he usually disposes of his, of the parents using like a um, henchman. Mm-hmm. And he has this really, really old car. It's an old Rolls Royce mm-hmm. uh, Wraith. And um, the car seems to have some type of abilities. Like the car itself is alive or something. Oh. But basically he traps these kids in the car. He lures them by, you know, promising to take them to this place called Christmas Land. And um, and he he shows himself as this really old man, but as they're on this trip, you see that these kids, something's starting to happen to them. Like their energy is starting to drain. They start looking old or something Mm -hmm. and he's starting to look young. Mm -hmm. So you don't really know how he's doing this, but for some reason in connection with this car and this trip and everything, he's draining the life force out of these kids and that helps him maintain his youth and all. Mm -hmm. So at the time that that's happening, it's the story is about um, not just him, but it's about this young teenager named Vic or Victoria and um, kind of her life. And you find out through them that she has some special ability that she can create what we're going to call like a portal, a bridge mm-hmm. um, to uh, places to find lost things. And in this world, um, people there are people that have they're called um uh, something creatives strong creatives and it reminds Mm. me of the 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 movie or the book the shining where they describe people with special abilities like psychic abilities as Mm -hmm. having the shining so Mm -hmm. it's a very similar thing they just have a different term of it Mm -hmm. so you learn that charlie minks is basically just a strong creative that his his car and christmas land is like all connected to this ability that he has um and Vic has her own different type and you meet some other strong creatives and she gets kind of caught up with because these kids go missing and one of the kids is a kid that is close to her like that she babysat she gets kind of caught up in trying to find them and um I guess their her psychic connection kind of crosses wires with Charlie Manx and she's a very strong creative that almost doesn't really know the strength of her ability and he and she threatens him um so I and I haven't finished the show I'm only on season one I think they have two seasons now but it's a very very interesting way to kind of tell this vampiric shining like story and Mm. It's not. It's never boring. Like it's not one that has like these episodes that are just kind of low episodes. You, you're discovering more and more about uh, this kind of subculture of strong creatives. And mm-hmm. um, one of the other stars in it, I don't know if you know, she's a she became famous on YouTube um, by her name Sailor J. She's kind of mm-hmm. like this comedian that used to do these little makeup tutorials, but she will do her makeup by telling these random stories and being playing these characters. And she's mm-hmm. hilarious. 
but she is an actress now. Um, her name is Jakara Smith. Okay. And her character, Maggie, her, just to show you how random these abilities are, she's a strong creative where she has a bag of Scrabble towels and she can uh, reach into this bag. And when she reaches, her arm almost disappears into it, almost like a Mary, uh, uh, Mary Poppins bag where it, it can go very deep and you don't know, like, the depth of this bag but she will pull out these uh letters for these scrabble tiles and it and they basically will tell her something that she needs to know so it's kind of like her psychic ability is tied with these tiles and so she gets connected with victoria and they go out on this adventure to try to help and rescue these kids or or destroy charlie makes is where i am now like that's the goal oh my gosh i'll but tell it, you this this sounds unnecessarily complicated. It for sounds a story complicated, line. but the way that they tell it is not. It's complicated for me to explain, but okay. it's not complicated to watch. It's not like you can't figure out what's going on and all that. The way that they write it and tell the story is really well done, and okay. it and it keeps your interest. And it's really unique and different. So okay. if you're into kind of fantasy and things that are dealing with kind of like psychic phenomenon and, and um, yeah, it's, it's a really, really good story. I think all the actors um, really play a good role. Cause they're, they're, you know, they all have their own backstories that are kind of tragic and deep too. So um, like invested in these characters, man, even I'm Charlie's characters. <laughs> TV has gotten so detailed, yeah. you know, over the years. And some of these plot lines, you're just, and I'm like, I'm listening to you. I'm like, who thinks of this exactly. stuff? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, who is, who is coming up with these ideas? Like, yeah. I feel the same way about Lovecraft Country. Like, what was in Misha's head? Like, what was she... The girl's a genius, for one. I'm going to say that right now. I know she's not a girl, she's a woman. But still, like... <laughs> Well, and no, then I'm but, thinking, but both of these are based off of books, so it's again, not even, but it's again, the translation of it the, to yeah. to film or to TV. That, yeah, even the people that write these books, like, like what were you smoking? Like, <laughs> like what were you? You know, did you eat sugar before bed? Like, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing how the human brain can tell maybe like like a very human fable but in an ex- exceedingly creative way and it's it's really cool i'm yeah. i'm excited for tv right now it's great i Me don't think too. we've ever been in a better time for episodic content to be honest hey, and a lot I mean, of people we talk have about nothing the golden time era. right i'm telling you <laughs> i'm telling you yeah i'm gonna get more into that on this quibby short i'm gonna do but yeah it's gonna be it's it's great i'm excited lovecraft country's great Thank you all yeah. for listening. It's been fun. Until next time. Yay. Um, we're on Instagram. We're on uh, Facebook. Uh, Twitter. All Anchor, the social FM. medias. They're, yes, The Real Snobs, Anchor FM. Wherever you listen to podcasts, find us there. Spotify and them. All of them. <laughs> <laughs>